0: now as we shared uh last week a, a message titled this means war i want to continue on this theme uh, this is a powerful uh message i believe that is needed for this time i know it's pentecost sunday you're going to see the connection between uh what i'm sharing today and the outpouring of the holy spirit on the day of pentecost now this means war I want to begin by sharing with you something that was shared in writing by a Bible teacher and a book author by the name of John Piper. He stated the following. Life is war. That's not all it is, but it is always that. Our weakness in prayer is owing largely to our neglect of this truth. Prayer is primarily a wartime walkie-talkie for the mission of the church as it advances against the powers of darkness and unbelief. It is not surprising that prayer malfunctions when we try to make it a domestic intercom to call upstairs for more comforts in the den. He continues, God has given us prayer as a wartime walkie-talkie so that we can call headquarters for everything we need as the kingdom of God advances in uh, in the world. Prayer gives us the significance of frontline forces and gives God the glory of limitless provider. The one who gives power gets the glory. Thus prayer safeguards the supremacy of God in missions while linking us with endless grace for every need. Bottom line, prayer matters. Prayer matters. So it isn't surprising then that the Apostle Paul ended the spiritual warfare passage that we find in Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18, outlining the armor of God with the word of exhortation and instruction that we looked at last week in verse 18. Look again, Ephesians six eighteen, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Now, I shared with you last week how the Apostle Paul included prayer in the context of speaking of the whole armor of God that God has given us by which we can wage a successful spiritual warfare campaign against the adversary of our souls, the devil. Now, I want us to go to an Old Testament passage that reveals one of the areas that the devil attacks us in. That passage is found in the second book of the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 8 through 13, and I'm reading out of the New King James, Exodus 17, verses 8 through 13 in the New King James, says, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim, or Rephidim, and Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. But, it says, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron... And Ur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So here we see in the Old Testament passage that God's covenant people, Israel, was being attacked by a people group known as Amalek. Interestingly, Amalek means... Valley dweller or one who dwells in the valley. It is picturesque of the devil and his demons. They dwell in low places. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? They want to attack us and try to tempt us to go to low places. And they also attack us when we are in low places or spots in our lives. Now. When did this enemy attack? Well, the Bible tells us that it, this enemy attacked Israel on their journey and notice where? At a place called Rephidim. Rephidim. Rephidim means rest or stays or resting places. Rephidim means rest, stays or resting places. Why am I pointing that out? To reveal a strategy of the devil. And here it is. The devil seeks to attack our state of rest. The devil seeks to attack our state of rest. What are you saying, Pastor Angel? He wants us to operate out of a state of stress instead of rest. Why? When you continually operate out of a state of stress instead of rest, you end up in a mess. Have we learned that by now? The enemy will continually try to get us to a state of restlessness. This is what Paul refers to when he talks about dealing with the fiery darts of the devil in Ephesians 6. The devil is constantly launching fiery darts. What for? To get in our minds. He wants to bring us to a restless state of mind. He wants to cause confusion and fogginess in our thinking so that we will become vulnerable to his schemes, to his temptations. He also wants to create in us emotional upheaval where we're restless in our souls. Instead of peace, we're in a state of Panic. Instead of being in a state of audacity, willing to take risk, willing to move out in courage, we find ourselves in a state of anxiety. He wants to move us from calm to chaos. That's what the devil seeks to do. So he keeps coming, attacking our state of rest in order to get us to yield to a state of restlessness. Why? Because when we're in a state of restlessness, what happens is, we become exhausted, we become weary, and thus we become vulnerable to the temptations and schemes of the devil. But the good news is that Exodus 17 reveals another principle. Prayer was the key to prevailing. Prayer was the key to to prevailing, For the Bible says in Exodus 17, 11, And so it was, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Now, in case you didn't know it, the Bible reveals in the Old Testament that hands up are symbolic of prayer and praising or worship. Hands up are symbolic of prayer or praising, worshiping. The Bible says in Psalm 134, verse 2, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 141, verse 2, Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, what the psalmist says here was actually prophetic in relation to the New Testament priest. Because in the New Testament, under the New Covenant, after Jesus died on the cross, every Christ follower, every God follower, now becomes a royal priesthood. But instead of the like the Old Testament priests, we don't bring literal incense into the holy place, and we don't bring animals as sacrifices for our sins into the presence of God. No, our sacrifice is now a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because our sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice, was Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. There He paid for my sins, past, present, and future. Therefore, when I come to God, I don't come with an animal to make up for my sins, but I come with praise that Jesus shed His blood. And when I turn to Him, He saved me, He delivered me, and He's Brought me to a place of right standing with God. Woo! And I don't bring incense. But the Bible reveals in Revelation chapter 8 that our prayers are like incense. They're a sweet fragrance to the Lord. And then Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere. Notice how. Lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Water break. Now, lifting up my hands means I'm handing over my life, my cares, my struggles, my battles over to the lord. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I got to behave. Sometimes I feel the preach wanting to get on and I got I got I got to I got to. <sighs> Let me remind you. Your battle, if you're a child of God, is not your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. But as long as you're trying with your striving and your hands and you're working, now it's your battle, and you're leaving God on the sideline. But the smart believer learns to lift up their battle to the Lord in recognition. It's not mine in the first place. God has declared over and over again, the battle belongs to the Lord. So I'm going to get the preach on right now. Oh, I love, this is why I love 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you don't know 2 Chronicles chapter 20, you, you, you need to read your Bible. It's exciting. It's full of stories that show us the power of God. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, God's people are outmanned. They're outnumbered and they're going into battle. But the Lord tells them through a young prophet, he says, the battle is the Lord's and tomorrow he's going to give you the victory. But the next morning as they're getting ready to go up to the battlefield the king, Jehoshaphat, says you know what? Let's do this. Let's put the singers in front of the armed soldiers and let them lead the procession into the battlefield. I know the battle belongs to the Lord but let's just make sure that we have the Lord in the battlefield because he understood something that the psalmist revealed that when you praise, God inhabits. God dwells in the midst of the praises of his people. And so the, the but the soldiers are being led by a group of singers in the front of the soldiers going to the battlefield where they're facing opposing armies, that outnumber them. And the Bible says that they went forward into the battlefield, not with arms and ready to fight, but in the front were singers singing a song saying, give thanks to the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Well, in case you didn't know it, the word thanks there is from the Hebrew word yada. The root word yad means hand. So it's, it's very very likely that when they're going, the singers out front saying, Give thanks to the Lord, they're marching with hands lifted up. Give thanks to the Lord for His mercy in for me. Now, if you're on the other side, and you know that you got more than they do, you're thinking in your head, Wow, look, this is going to be easy. They're already surrendering to us. They're coming with their army, being led by people with hands lifted up. But no, what the enemy didn't understand, they weren't surrendering. Actually, they were doing what football what happens in football when the referees are at the end zone and when there's a score made they lift up their hands what they were declaring through a prophetic action is god is about to give us a touchdown because he's about to touch down here as we're praising him so family of god getting back to our text I shared with you last week in Sunday's message that this same apostle Paul, who wrote, who wrote Ephesians six eighteen, said this in 1 Corinthians fourteen eighteen: "I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all." Now this is where some of you are going to get all nervous. Oh no! I came into a tongue talking church. They believe in Urraba. Yeah, we do, but we're not weird. Now I may mean, look weird at times, like you're know, like, oh man, look at him. He's like, who? Where's he going? No, but I'm grounded like they come. The people will tell you. You know, if pastors he gets believes in the Spirit, but he 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 he, he walks with them. He walks the ground. He does. He's not floating. Okay, I don't do that here's what I want you to understand. Oh, there's a gift that God gives us. And I share with you, there are benefits to this gift. Let me show you today one more benefit associated with speaking in tongues or praying in the Spirit. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14:21 Because Paul here is quoting from the Old Testament as he speaks of the Holy Spirit and the topic of tongues. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 14:21. He says, in the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips I will speak to this people. And yet for all that they will not hear me says the Lord. Okay? Now, Paul was quoting from the Old Testament, from Isaiah 28, verses 11 and 12. And this is how it reads there. For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people, to whom he said, This is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear. Now, I have a study Bible called the Spirit-Filled Life Bible. In it, Scott Baer, who used to pastor a church in Van Nuys, California, after his father-in-law, Jack Hayford, uh, he writes this commentary related to Isaiah 28, 11, and 12. He says, Isaiah anticipates the day in which God will speak to his people through the means of supernatural prophetic utterance, stammering lips and another tongue. The interpretation of this verse goes beyond the historical context of the prophecy of the judgment of Israel as the Apostle Paul interprets it in light of the experience of the Corinthian church. We read it, 1 Corinthians 14, 21. In verse 22, he refers directly to the fact that tongues are a sign for the unbeliever of God's presence, message, message. And power. This helps explains Isaiah 28 12's contextual promise, revealing how personal refreshing was prophesied by this means as well. And then he quotes 1 Corinthians 14:4 4, that says, He that speaks in tongues edifies himself. Jude 1 20. But you, beloved, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. You see, uh, what, 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 what Paul was saying that the benefit of praying in the Spirit is that the Holy Spirit will bring rest and refreshing to the believer's life when we pray. In that prayer language we receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Ah. Now, what's interesting, back there in Isaiah twenty-eight twelve, when it uses the word rest, the Spirit-filled life word well points out this, that the word rest used there is from the Hebrew word manuha. Manuha. you got to do the ah, like you're gargling about to spit sound. Which contains the following meanings. Resting place. Place of stillness, repose, consolation, peace, rest, a quiet place, also the condition of restfulness. Mm-hmm. Now, menucha is derived from noach, a verb meaning, watch this, to rest, soothe, settle down, comfort. Rest, soothe, settle down, comfort. So, what was Paul saying? Praying, in the Spirit mm, is a weapon I can use to counter-attack the devil's attack. Mm-hmm. Praying in the Spirit is a weapon that I can use to counter-attack the devil's attack. And praying in the Spirit brings rest. Brings rest. So I told you at the beginning... The, one of the areas that the devil will attack is our state of rest in hopes of causing us to start to operate not out of rest, but out of stress. Because if we operate out of stress for a while, the end result is we're going to end up in a mess. But child of God, you and I are not helpless or hopeless. God has sent help from heaven in the person of the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit... With the ability to pray in tongues. I want you to understand. You receive a gift that will take you from anxiety to audacity. That will take you from panic to peace. I'm telling you, the devil wants you to think you are a victim to his attack. No. You have the ability to be victorious over every attack of the devil. Because the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God told Moses to move. And Moses said, we're not going to go unless your presence goes with us. So God responded by giving them a promise in Exodus 33, 14. He told him this, and he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you What? Rest. I will give you rest. Do you see the connection between the presence of God and rest? Do you need rest today? Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you weary? Are you mentally fatigued? Are you in a state of emotional people? I've got good news for you. The presence of God is available in the person of the Holy Spirit. And even if you're in a state of chaos right now through his presence, you can experience calm through his presence. You can experience peace in your storm. You are you are not a victim to the whims and wishes of the devil, child of God. You are victorious because your Savior, who is Jesus Christ, is not only Savior. He is a baptizer with the Holy Spirit and with fire, giving you a gift by which you can defeat every scheme of the devil. <laughs> Woo! God's presence soothes Comforts, settles, consoles and cries. I can tell you this because I've experienced. There have been times when I have been mentally fatigued. I have been emotionally drained. I have found myself physically tired. And it's been in a season of dealing with spiritual warfare and attack from the enemy. But I know now what to do. And I do it. I get aside. I take time to pray in the Spirit. I get along with the Lord. And you know what happens? I go in. Looking like Clark Kent, I come out like Superman. Not because of me, but because of His presence and power being activated in my life. And instead of going, I go in frazzled. Oh, what am I going to do? How am I going to work my way? And I come out all right. What? What now, devil? How many Christians know what I'm talking about? There's a transformation that happens in his presence. Watch this. Let's go to the book of Psalms. Psalm 63, verses 3 and 5. Watch this. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Watch this. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall what? praise you notice how with joyful lips my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips say praise the hebrew word is shabbat here shabbat it means to commend to praise to adore to glory in something but it also means watch this to steal to quiet or pacify someone the spirit-filled life word wealth points out that shabbat goes in two directions praising and calming, praising and calming, have you ever been emotionally distraught as a child of God? Now y'all at another level, I'm sorry, but I have I have, but watch this: when I, in my native tongue, began to praise God, even though I am emotionally disturbed and troubled by what I 'm dealing with, something happens. I begin to praise him in my native tongue. Lord, I thank you that you are my shepherd. I thank you that you're my rock. I thank you that you are my refuge. You're my strong. And I begin to go through the attributes of God. I begin to declare his names. By the time I'm done, you know what happens? I go from chaos to calm. Why? What happens when you praise him? God inhabits. He dwells in. He is enthroned in the midst of your praises. And so, while you're praising, what's going on on the inside? His presence is calming you. His presence is comforting, consoling, soothing, relieving. (sighs) And when we pray in tongues, you know what we also are doing? We are praising. (laughs) If you look at Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, people began to gather because they began to hear their languages being spoken by people that didn't know their languages. And then they even declared, the unbelievers that were gathering and hearing these 120 praying in tongues, they'd heard some of their language being uttered through these people, and they testified, they are declaring the wonderful works of God in our languages. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says, regarding the person that prays in a tongue, he says, you give thanks well. So when I pray in the Spirit, I'm not just interceding by the help of the Holy Spirit. I'm actually also praising God. I'm talking about His wonderful works in a language I have not learned. I'm giving Him thanks. Well, what happens when you praise and thank God? God shows up. Praise not only blesses God, it blesses you, it benefits you and I. So I want to say to us today that we have within us, those of us that are followers of Christ, we have the promise of a gift that is a birthright of every believer. And if you have already been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you have received the evidence of speaking with other tongues, I want to remind you, please, for God's sake, utilize your gift Uh, because I've, i've found this among believers there's believers that have the gift but haven't prayed in tongues for years why because they're like well i i have to wait till i feel what i felt the first time i received it i'm like No, this is not based on what you experience. It's based on a promise that is validated by God that has no expiration date. So when you received it from that day on, the promise has been valid. All you've got to do is exercise it. And so I'm saying to you, if you are a Spirit-filled believer with the ability to pray in the Spirit, when you're under attack, don't sit back and say, what do I do? Now you know what to do. Exercise the gift of the Spirit in you. Because when you do, you're strengthening yourself. You're bracing yourself in areas that are being attacked and are are, are being bent. You are rebracing. You are strengthening. And not only that, if you find yourself dry, you will experience the flood of His presence, the rain of His Spirit coming on your soul. You will not be parched any longer. You will become like a fertile field, being able to experience the growth and increase that God has promised you. If you haven't received it, it's your birthright child of God. So let me wrap this up. First of all, the devil will attack us in the area of rest in hopes of getting us to operate out of stress. Why? Because then we will end up in a mess. But here's the second truth. The Heavenly Father offers a gift and promise in the person of the holy spirit that contains power to bring us calm in the midst of chaos and grant us strength in the place of stress don't miss the last sentence and we go from being a hot mess to being blessed i don't act like you don't know what i mean some of us have experienced like <sighs> i'm done we turn into the Hulk instead of Superman, you know what I mean? Because of how life has hit us and we're under attack. And God, through his spirit, says, get in communion with me, with the gift I've given you. And instead of ending up in a hot mess, you will be blessed. You'll begin to operate out of a state of rest. No more striving, now operating out of my strength. That's what God offers us. So I want to encourage us today to get our hands up. I want to encourage us to hand over to God the battle. Not just through lifting your hands, but through praising Him with your mouth. And I want to encourage, if you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, utilize your gift, utilize it in prayer, utilize it in praise. Because if you're dry, you can be refreshed, restored. You can be transformed from stress to strength. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the gift, the promise of the Holy Spirit that You sent in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, Your Word says that as He's 120, were in one mind one spirit one accord in one place that suddenly <laughs> your promise came from heaven like the sound of a rushing mighty wind and your word reveals then that a flame of fire sat on each one of the 120 that were sitting in your presence in that upper room You have a flame with my name. The promise is not for an exclusive group. The promise is for all your children. Acts 2.39 says the promise is unto you and to your children. And as to many that our Lord God shall call. I'm called of you. All of us that have experienced salvation. We have this promise as a birthright and lord i know there are people in this building right now just like there were in color that their state of rest has been attacked right now they are restless in their mind they are restless in their soul some are battling with anxiety some are battling with fear some are battling with unresolved anger some are battling with emotions that are manhandling them. They haven't been able to get a handle on it. But in your presence, there's rest for our souls. And Jesus, you invite us. You said, come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. I'll give you an intermission. I'll give you a time out in my presence. Oof, you'll receive your second wind. In my presence, you'll experience the calming, the consoling, the refreshing effect of my spirit. So right now, I'm going to make an altar call. What is that? I'm inviting you to this front area. We call it the altar, the place to come before God and meet with Him. And I'm going to call for those of you that would say, Pastor Angel, I need rest in my mind. I need rest in my soul. There are some things that have been troubling me. And truth be told, my mind hasn't been able to think straight bible says god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and a sound mind and today you say i need that soundness of mind i need my thinking cleared up because there's been confusion i've been under attack and my mind is in a state of restlessness others of you would it be honest enough to admit my soul is in a state of emotional upheaval. I've been troubled within. I'm not at peace in my soul. But I want God's peace. I want His rest. If that's you, I want you to make your way forward right now. There's no shame here. This place called the altar, it's a place of no shame. It's a place to experience His touch his power he invites us to come boldly to his throne of grace because he wants to give us mercy and grace he doesn't want to embarrass you he wants to restore you he wants to relieve you he wants to to strengthen you he wants to replace your panic with his peace Come on, if you want rest for your soul and you know you need it, you come. You don't wait on anybody. You come. This is about you. And this is your opportunity. And I'm going to invite those of you that would say, Pastor, I need the the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've been talking about the last two weeks. I want the promise of the Father in my life. You come. And I'm going to invite also those of you that would say, you know what, Pastor, I've been filled. But the truth be told, I need a refilling of the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts 2 that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But then we read in Acts 4 that some of those that were in the upper room, they were filled again in Acts chapter 4. God has a refilling for you. And you would be honest to say, Pastor, I need to be filled again. I need a refilling. Come, come. This is your moment. Come, come. Our PW is going to sing a song at this time. I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite prayer warriors as well. Come and join me. And let's pray for these. Yes, come. This is your moment. There's rest here. There's rest for your soul. Come.